Hi, and welcome to the Population Health Plugin, a show highlighting current public health topics in our community and things of interest to students across the university. My name is Sloan Oliver, and I am an undergraduate global public health student in the UAB School of Public Health. Today, we have with us Dr. Tony Frazier, who will be talking with us about the intersection of human, animal, and environmental health. Dr. Frazier is the state veterinarian for Alabama and is the director of the Animal Industries Division for the Alabama Department of Agriculture and Industries. Thank you for being here with us today and taking the time to talk with me. Um, to get us started, what are your responsibilities as a state veterinarian? Well, uh, thank you, Sloan, for uh, asking the questions and letting me be a part of your, uh, your podcast. And I'm, I'll just get comfortable, get relaxed here, and we'll talk some. Is that okay? Yes. So your first question is, the, generally, the, the state veterinarian in Alabama has um, a three or four kind of overarching responsibilities. And those are spelled out by, generally, by the statute in uh, the code of, uh, of law. And that the state veterinarian is, is really charged with the oversight of uh, uh, livestock and poultry disease control uh, response, if should there be an outbreak uh, of animal disease generally, livestock and poultry. So not, not so much uh, companion animals uh, such as our dog or cat patients, but, but more about, uh, about livestock. Um, and in my office, that's, that's uh, over, uh, spelled out about, again, three general areas. We have a, a traditional livestock disease program. We have a dedicated section to poultry and poultry health, and, and we have a dedicated section to the, um, the meat inspection program. And then I have a dedicated section for our diagnostic labs. Um, that supports the producer, it supports uh, veterinarians. Uh, it, it also, we interact with USDA. Uh, we're always looking for you know some, some of the really bad diseases that we call foreign animal diseases that's not in this country but we're in surveillance mode for those things, like foot and mouth disease. Uh, so we're on surveillance mode for those all the time. So generally, animal health, livestock diseases, meat inspection program, poultry programs, and our diagnostic labs. How do those programs in the health of our animals, um, how are they incorporated into human health? That's a great, great question. Um, in the two general ways, in my, in my mind, in my opinion, is that it, the interaction uh, will be, uh, m first that comes to mind most commonly is that some of those diseases that, that uh, animals get, they can be transmitted to, to humans, zoonotic diseases we are, they're referred to as. So those are some diseases like brucellosis, uh, even tuberculosis, they're old-timey diseases. Uh, and then avian influenza even rarely, but it, it can happen. Uh, some other viruses that, that can be transmitted from, like rabies, for example, that from, a, from an animal to a human. Uh, and so that's, that, that's the first and probably the most common way that we are looking at animals and what I do impacting humans. The other, the other area is that as we, 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 we met at our uh, seminar earlier today here is this idea of animals um, becoming sick or having major uh, diseases that could in, uh, impact the food supply. So if they're, if they're unhealthy or uh, uh, diseased, they cannot enter the food chain. And so I'm 
more and more, especially with uh, with one eye uh, on the growing human population, that we need healthy uh, animals and their products um, to be at, uh, in our food supply. So you deal a lot with the One Health Initiative, and some of our listeners may not be familiar with that. Can you tell us more about what that is and what's involved with that? Yeah, One Health Initiative is a, it, it may be thought of as kind of a new buzzword in the last few years, but and, and that, again, speaks to um, getting information to the public sector about, about animals and animal diseases, and then we would respond together with public health officials. And again, one of the easier ones is rabies in, in animals. Uh, um, but, but the One Health uh, concept is, again, we, we've got a, a disease in either an animal or a human. Well, if there is a if there's an overlap in that particular disease, hey, and let me add this right here, uh, that there's some diseases that humans give animals. So we know that, that interface, and then there's the wild animal interface. Uh, some animals that, I mean, uh, diseases that can make their way over into a wildlife sector, it's, it's problematic to control. So the One Health Initiative is, is, an, is a, an attempt to bring back together the minds that are thinking about disease, disease control, whether that be in humans or in animals, and let's work together at prevention, response, and then recovery should there be an outbreak. So the prevention, response, and recovery, that is incorporated into your job as a state veterinarian? It is. Uh, that's what we do um, um, a lot. Um, so, again, for example, let, let's say avian influenza. Avian influenza would be pretty detrimental to the, to the domestic poultry supply. There's that human health component that rarely, rarely in other parts of the world has crossed over to humans. But really it's about the uh, assuring the supply of affordable poultry protein, be that in meat or eggs. So. Uh, uh, the, what, what we do all the time in my job is planning for a response to avian influenza. Uh, we, uh, we exercise, we have, a, we have actually a, a formal state response plan uh, and we exercise that plan that there would have to be a need for, uh, uh, you know, um, developing zones, potential vaccination of birds and uh, testing of, of birds and the uh, uh, that would be in the case of an outbreak okay but in peacetime as we are right now we don't have any avian influenza infected birds certainly not in Alabama certainly not even in the southeast but but the the poultry industry that's the the the, the folks that are growing the poultry they're subjected to a constant surveillance for again we're, we're just talking about avian influenza, but all of those birds are constantly, uh, we're submitting samples for those birds either and by uh, uh, serology for antibodies and, uh, and uh, uh, oral swabs for PCR. It goes on weekly across the state and probably done quietly. Nobody really knows about that, but, um, but that's, that's what I do a lot is, is, is surveillance, preparing, exercising those plans, be interacting with the industry, with USDA, should there be an outbreak, 
then, then we hopefully, uh, we've got teams that are ready to go. They know what their jobs are. So sustainable agriculture can be incorporated into your um, field of study and work. So how would you define sustainable agriculture? It's not just having chickens in your backyard. What would you say? Well, and again, that's a great question and sort of a, a concept and a buzzword that we may have taken for granted on, on food production systems for a while. Uh, by that, I mean that in, in, in our country, agriculture, we, we're still a rural agricultural uh, country. And we grow a lot of food and we, we, we grow it well and we grow it economically. It's, it's a, a thing, something that I think we're blessed with. Uh, so sustainable though, uh, there's many def definitions for sustainability and a lot of people have in their mind that, that, uh, uh, that may be confused a little bit with choice in our country. Uh, and that is that I can, um, I can have some backyard birds and grow my own organic eggs. Uh, I can plant my own vegetable garden. Uh, I can compost the clippings and uh, I can be sustainable. I can have my own milk cow and I'm sustainable. Well, that probably correlates in our country more along the, the line of choice. You, you choose to do that, and if you want to live off the grid, you can. But as we look at, as I mentioned a, a minute or ago or so, if we look at what's going on from a world population standpoint, and, a, and nine billion people in the next 30 years or so, maybe more than that, uh, I, I don't see those systems feeding the world. So sustainable agriculture means that we, we must have a, at least a, a, a couple of three maybe focal points and where they intersect uh, and that may be something along the lines of, of the environment uh, and the, the uh, economic component and then a social component and where those, and, and there's different ways to define it but from my standpoint what, what we try to focus on is uh, of course, the environment's important. It's important. Uh, uh, there, there's only so much um, land that we can put into production anymore. Uh, and then and if those farmers are not, as we mentioned earlier, if they're not, um, if they don't receive some compensation, either the government will have to do it, of, of which we don't necessarily like that in our country. We like independence. Independence, we, we thrive on that. And so, but they have to receive payment or compensation or they, they can't be in business. And then there's the social aspect of, uh, of understanding uh, that animals have got to be treated well and ethically um, and, and morally uh, and taken care of if we're going to consume them. So the, where those potentially, I guess in my definition, where those three uh, factors come into focus, the middle of that focus is probably where sustainability is most likely to be defined. So the environment again, uh, farmers, ranchers, they must be aware of, of uh, taking care of the environment, the soil, water, uh, the, the availability of nutrients in the soil. Uh, and again, uh, using, using technology, that's back to the social side of that, 
but animals have to be taken well care of. Uh, there, there's no exp experiments going on, on on factory farms. That is not the way that it happens. It's looking at, at the growth factors, uh, the, the gestation of animals, um, the ability for them to produce uh, affordable protein uh, and do that economically. Um, and then, of course, they, those that are producing it have to produce it where we can, we can afford to buy it and consume it. They have to make money and we have to be able to uh, be able to purchase it. So, and, and, and from my desk and sustainability, and I'm not an economist and I'm not a uh, uh, sociologist, but I can only say that, that the health of the animals has got to be a component of that, of that, maybe that social and maybe even the environmental and, and maybe the economic side of that. So that again, animals that are sick unhealthy, not, not being taken care of, that's where the state veterinarians can be a part of this sustainability, uh, I guess, paradigm. It's got to, we got to rethink how we have thought about production agriculture. So with that definition of sustainable agriculture and all of its components, what role do public health professionals play in controlling and maintaining the balance between human and animal health within our environment? Yeah. Um, Another great, great question. I, I, you know, sometimes veterinarians and livestock producers, we we kind of think that we're on an island alone and we're just producing uh, food and fiber. Let's say we forget we forget that uh, we're producing food for the consumer who just really doesn't may not they may not know what it's about. So he, here's a, an area that I think that, that we need to, we, need to uh, we can improve on if that is a, an attempt to answer your question. And that is simply sound science and an educated and outreach program that, that if producers, if they don't engage that, if they just want to isolate themselves and think, oh, well, I'm, uh, I'm uh, living off the earth and I want to be farming and ranching like my grandparents did. That's well, that's well and well intended, but they, they, had, they better be educating themselves about their, their, uh, their systems, nutrition, medicines that they may use, vaccinations, and they better be educated on that and able to discuss that to a really smart individual like yourself that wants to know that there's no cover up, there's no, there, there shouldn't be a cover up on, on the, uh, livestock production, poultry production, and this whole notion that, that they're, uh, that they're uh, uh, off, uh, sequestered off somewhere and nobody knows what's going on, uh, that's just not true. It shouldn't be that way. The producer has got to interact with the public a little bit better and in more intelligently and use some technologies such as your podcast. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Facebook or other social <laughs> media uh, 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 capabilities, but there, there are a lot of producers such as the dairy farmers, uh, even poultry farmers that are engaged in that, and I think that's wise. Uh, so, so I guess to answer the question would be we, we must do a better job of, of uh, educating, being open to the public, uh, uh, n not necessarily open to the, the coming onto their farm. Uh, that's another story about biosecurity. Maybe we can do another podcast on that one day, but but we must be intelligent and scientific 
and, and not uh, produce some, some uh, 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 backroom uh, uh, cloaked production system. It just doesn't work that way. We need to do a better job of educating the consumer about what we do. Well, we thank you for what you do for our state as a state veterinarian, and thank you for coming out here to talk today um, about what you do about One Health, sustainable agriculture, and the importance of ensuring animal health for the health of us as humans and for the world. Um, and thank you for listening. Please tune in next time for another episode of Population Health Plugin.